celebrate Mother's Day with one of the most important people in my life, uh, my mom, someone who has taught me so much about life and love and about everything, um, including when I was in fifth grade and the fifth grade dance was coming up, uh, it was my mom that I turned to to teach me how to dance, because I danced in a way that only a mother could um, have compassion for, and a mother could help with, and she tried her best to teach me. Uh, so I found out later, years later, that, uh, that she followed up our dance session by calling a friend who was a professor of music, concerned because I had not yet learned in fifth grade that music had a beat that went with it. And the professor assured her, you know, all kids develop at their own pace, and Let's just say I'm still pacing myself in this journey. I'll get it soon. I'm still developing. But my mom was always looking out for me. Uh, she was always wishing the best for me, and, and I love her for that. And so yesterday we ate lunch together, and she had a question that she asked for everybody who was gathered around the table. And she said, uh, share one of your mother's traits that you are glad that you have. And I'm glad she said glad, because some we're ambivalent about, but there's a lot that we're glad that we have with us too. When you open your mouth and your mother comes out, that happens sometimes too. So we went around the table and we shared reflections of our moms, and it came to me, and I thought about it, and I could go on a while, but I, but I lifted up on this day, my mom's resilient hope. That in every circumstance that she's faced, every new situation, every setback, or every difficult relationship, that she lived from a place of hope and not fear. That she saw the opportunity, not the scarcity. That she saw the, pro- the potential and the possibility and not the problem alone. She saw the positive in the world and in people. And she worked her best to bring it about and to honor it in those around her. And in doing that, I think she taught me in some way something I'm still learning about resilient hope, about powerful kindness, about unrelenting love for our world and for our neighbors and even for myself because she saw it in me sometimes that I couldn't see it myself. And so now looking back on that and seeing that lineage and seeing the things that I'm glad that I have, I see that she was in so many ways a reflection of God's character and God's love, of God's goodness and God's faithfulness that gives us hope. And much of what I've come to know of the divine I glimpsed in some way through the way that she lived and the way that she lived out that resilient hope. And she did it all, as Ginger Rogers said of Dancing with Fred Astaire, she did it all in high heels, dancing backwards, like a lot of the women in our world do. So on Mother's Day, I remember, and we remember, and we honor the myriad people who have been like mothers to us on our journey. Uh, No matter who you honor on a day like Mother's Day, we honor them in part because we've seen a reflection a glimpse of God through them in a special way, through these mothers and grandmothers and aunts and mentors and partners and friends on our life. And that is a beautiful thought for us. But it is also a powerful thought when you think about what that means, that through these people we have seen in a real way a reflection and a glimpse of the image of God. And here's what's powerful about that is because For me, I think, growing up, either subtly or overtly, the story that was often told about the image of God, that default image of God, was of the white-bearded dude on a big throne up there, right? Uh, Basically, Zeus just throwing bolts of love instead of lightning was kind of how we pictured God. Um, That image was just what was all around in the water. But as I've grown, I've come to realize, and I've come to realize through amazing women and others in my life, that the reality is so much more beautiful than that 
throne-sitting bearded dude could ever be. No offense to Jon Snow out there. The stories of our faith tell us that we see a glimpse of God in people like our mothers and grandmothers because, because the feminine reflects God just as much as the bearded dude does. And the stories that we tell of that, of reminding ourselves of that on this day and in this community and as we go in, in our own stories are important because they remind us of something bigger than sometimes we hear in the water around us. And so here at Open, we want to make sure that those stories get told. And so the story shows up throughout our scriptural library. You find it in the very first creation story in Genesis 1. Here's where, this is where we get the idea of being created in God's image. And here's how the creation of humankind is described. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind, all people, in God's image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. Just this explosion of diversity, but all of it communicating that all of humankind, in all of our various masculinity and femininity and expressions and spectrums of humanity, all of us are created and formed in the image of God. And despite even the cultural limitations of language and plurality back in those days to describe something as big as God and creation, 3,000 years ago, it was clear that all humanity in all of our forms are equally created in the image of God, equally able to reflect the divine character, no matter the specifics of our gender, of our masculinity, of our femininity, that you and you and you and you and all of us and me across the infinite spectrum of creation are created in the image of God, beautifully made of sacred worth as you are in the image that you, all of humankind, have been built with. And so I want to say this clearly on this day that we honor mothers in our lives, that the feminine is just as much created in the image of the Almighty God as the bearded dude. And so if you've ever felt that because of femininity or because of your womanhood that you were somehow less than or secondary to or maybe you got the wild impression from culture that you were worth somehow 83 cents to masculinity's dollar. I don't know how you get that idea from the world in which we live. But particularly if you've heard that or felt that because of religion or the church or what the church continues to say and who gets to say it oftentimes in church, I'm so incredibly sorry because it is simply not true. That all of the qualities and energies of masculinity and femininity are equal reflections of God. And you, in your particular amalgam, in your femininity and masculinity, no matter what you were created, in that you were created in the image of God, beautifully and colorfully made, of sacred worth, able to reflect the character of God and embody the love of God in our world as you go. Whether you do it in high heels or wingtips or Doc Martens, dancing backwards as you go. Because our God is a creator God, not a duplicator God. And how you are created reflects the beautiful image of the creator in all of our diversity. And so there's a reason that we glimpse God through those who've been mothers to us in our lives. Because they are created in God's image. And at their best, they are a reflection of God's character and love in our lives. And so just imagine in your own story, 
if somehow we were without the reflection that we glimpse of God in our mothers and grandmothers and mentors. How much more limited our perspective of this life or of God, God's self, might be. And so it's important as we think back that these stories are remembered and they're told. And I'm so glad that I'm a part here of a community of open here in this church that seeks to do our best to tell them. But it's important, of course, when we're thinking of, of, of how mothers and others in our lives are reflections of God, to remember that ultimately God transcends gender, that God is beyond the mere categories of masculinity or femininity. And in the writings that are collected in our scripture library, that we're cautioned often not to think about God in limited binary terms alone. So there's this beautiful passage that shows up in Deuteronomy where Moses is reminding the people that God is bigger than those categories. And we're invited to remember that too. So here's what it says in Deuteronomy 4, 15. It says, since you have seen, sorry, since you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. So when God is revealing God's self, take care and watch yourselves closely so that you do not act corruptly by making an idol for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth. It's trying to tell us that we are made in God's image, but God is not made in our image. That God isn't male or female. That limiting God to those creaturely distinctions, that somehow God is male or female, or that God is American, or that God is a Cowboys fan, um, we, know, we know that. I mean, we don't have to just declare it. Um, those reductions in this story, those differentiations and distinctions are a really quick way to make some wrong or harmful assumptions and to make bad draft picks when you think God's on your side. <laughs> History will tell us that. <laughs> Instead, God invites us to break free of those molds and of those idols altogether and in our diversity to be a different kind of people, iconoclasts, mold breakers, to be a community of a different vision of who God is altogether more. And in the Jesus communities, as they bumped up against Jesus in the way that he loved without distinction, they began to catch on to this vision. And you can see it in certain pages in the letters they wrote to each other. You can see the exuberance of this understanding just break off the page so here's one in galatians chapter 3 verse 28 it says here in this community there is no longer jew or greek there's no longer slave or free there's no longer male or female for all of you are one in christ jesus and it's so beautiful and powerful and seems deeply true not that in some way our diversity is not important but that in our unity together that who we are and what God is doing transcends and fulfills who we were built to be. Now, of course, one of the ways that God describes the relationship of the divine with humanity is in parental terms. You find those metaphors all throughout Scripture. Throughout the narratives of faith, God is described to be like a parent that loves us as children, that we are children of God. And and the writers of our scriptural library say this over and over. Uh, as a parent, God is often described as father. And of course, uh, like a father, God is invested in us and protected, protective of us and able to shepherd us through our lives. And that idea of God as father is powerful for many of us, um, even if your experience of human fathers is complicated. 
Because God can step in and redeem and restore and show us a vision of that perfect fatherhood despite our human experiences. And it can be life-giving for us. But as we'll see as we go on today, father is not the only metaphor for God's parentage. It's not the only story of the divine. But that seems to make sense as we guess, as we see that God isn't bound by gender distinctions, but in some way transcends and fulfills them at the same time. So here's the kind of fatherhood that God reflects. This is a refrain that shows up in many places, but this is from Psalm 68, verse 5. That God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in God's holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families and leads out the prisoners with singing. That's the kind of transcendent ideal of fatherhood that God lives out. One that brings and protects and gathers in the vulnerable and sets us free. That's restorative, and it calls us higher, and it calls me higher as a father. Uh, And as someone who often experiences fatherhood more like a series of stumbles over Legos in the middle of the night, that's what fatherhood looks like oftentimes to me, that it calls me higher to see this God vision of it. But it's important that God is not only described as father parentally. There are mother metaphors in our text as well, believe it or not. Of course, God as father is the most common one that we hear taught and the one that we experience, which makes sense. The world that we live in, and particularly more in the context in the times of Scripture, was predominated by this patriarchal father power. That's how the world was structured, and it was everywhere. And we today even still are influenced by it and live within it, but we are also called beyond it as iconoclasts and mold breakers of a God who is bigger than all of that. And so some of the work that we do here in this community is also to just tell the rest of the story in a way that sometimes we struggle to do, in a way that lets all genders realize that they belong to God in fullness as they are. For Crystal, as a leader who speaks truth to you, for me, for all of us in our diversity, that we all belong to God and reflect God equally, just as you are, and that all of us in our diversity belong fully to every role and position and pulpit in our world. And in our communities, we miss so much when the fullness of that story is not present with us, when we don't tell that story. So last year at Real Talk, y'all, we were having this conversation. Uh, Real Talk is this uh, kind of open uh, open Q&R. We, I would say Q&A, but we really don't answer anything. We just respond to it and engage with it together. So we, we talk about some of these things um, and try to engage with them faithfully and theologically. Um, and so we ask this question, what do we miss? What do we miss when we leave out the feminine reflections of our God? And our friend Nate, uh, a wise person in our community, said this. said, I think we miss unconditional love. That was his experience of God. This love that welcomes us when life hits us hard and when we've tested all the conditions in our world, that unconditional love. So in Hebrew, the word that's used for kind of unconditional love is this word chesed, chesed, or steadfast love. It's one of the most common descriptions of God's kind of love for us in the Hebrew scriptures. I love you with chesed, the steadfast, kind, unconditional, fiercely protective, but always welcoming love. Over and over, God is described as exhibiting this kind of love for us. That the Lord is slow to anger, it says 
in Romans, in Romans, in Numbers 14, 8. God is, Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. And I say Numbers 14, 8 at all because there's like so many of this almost exact same phrasing. The Lord is abounding in steadfast love, unconditional, kind love for us. And in the scripture, that steadfast love is sometimes described like a mother's love, that God is reflected as a mother. And so just listen to these reflections. So this is from Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child she has born? I, God, will not forget you. This mother maternal love, this unwavering, steadfast, unconditional love that is with us through thick and thin that we see reflected in mothers in our world is a reflection of God's character. Or uh, there's a, a love that's there with us, comforting us when life is tough. So here's Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. That love is a reflection of God. And God is also described like a mother bear <laughs> who's fiercely protective. Here's Hosea 13.8. I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. And I know we've got a few mama bears out there in the crew. That's a reflection of God's character of protecting the vulnerable and of scaring off all those who dare fall upon them like a bear robbed of her, of her cubs. This is a part of the story of who God is and God's character. And Jesus even echoes this. Jesus describes this love to be like that of a mother hen, of a God who, whose love longs and hurts for those who are separated with a depth of that mother love. So here's Luke 13, 34. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. With that mother hen love, that fiercely protective, steadfast, unconditional love, and there's more in our scriptural story, but these are powerful, and I think they're pretty cool. And when I began to wake up to this larger vision in our scriptural story of this character of God, it opened my eyes and it opened my hearts and it affirmed the ways that I had seen God reflected in that chesed kind of love, that steadfast, unconditional, tireless, self-giving love that I saw in the mothers around me. That God kind of love we see in mothers and mentors and grandmothers and partners and friends. That steadfast, unconditional, self-giving, tireless, even when they are oh so tired. Um, if you don't do anything for your mother on this Mother's Day or those in your life, just let them take a nap. That's an incredible gift that we can offer those around us. But I think most of all, we need to amplify and tell this particular story so that we can see a more full reflection of the image of God. Because we need all of us. We need all of God in every reflection. And as we begin to see more and more of that, we are better for it. So I thought on Mother's Day, we've been, we've been telling some of the stories out of the community here at Open. And I thought, rather than me just tell this particular story, I might invite um, someone up whose steadfast love as a mother led her to this place. And so 
I'm going to invite up uh, Courtney Nanatoski with us today. So welcome her to the stage to share a little bit of her story and her family's story with us today. So Courtney, thank you so much. I know you're incredibly nervous. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I made a commitment when I joined the church to bear witness, so I'm taking that seriously even though I hate the races. I can just <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, so we will... Uh, we will, um, it never goes away, truthfully, uh, but welcome, thank you for, uh, for sharing your story a little bit with us. And so tell us about where you were, sort of in relationship to the church and, and to God when you found open um, and, and brought and were kind of found your way here. Okay, so um, I grew up in a church that um, taught me that I didn't need to be in a church to have a relationship with God because I never really felt a closeness to God in the church when I was growing up. And then I also felt like, oh, there's a big picture up there too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then I also felt like the message that I was hearing every week growing up was only about 70% of the values that I knew were important to my family. And so I would say through my teens and my early 20s and in my 30s when I started a family, um, I didn't have a need to be in a church to have a relationship with God. I didn't want to raise my children someplace where they heard 70% of what I believed and then they had to sift through the rest of it. Um, that wasn't something that was, uh, I didn't, I, it just wasn't of interest to be really honest. <laughs> um, and so we found God most often through nature and through um, prayer and in different ways that didn't require a building. And um, my daughter had a very close friend, her best friend, that had an 11-month battle with leukemia. And pretty much if the weekend that she, we told her that she went on hospice and was no longer going, uh, we used to go to the hospital every Sunday. Um, for about 10 months. And then month 11, she came home and went into hospice care. And all of a sudden, my daughter started telling everybody, I need to go to church. I need to know what heaven looks like. I mean, she told a PTA mom at the grocery store. It was actually quite embarrassing. Like, my family doesn't go to church, and we need to, because I need to know what heaven looks like. Um, and so my children had grown up here at the Children's Day Out program, so there was like ways that I was trying to incorporate church for them a little bit without making a commitment of coming every week and hearing the 70% of stuff that we agreed with. And um, so I called Brandy and I called Dina and I said, hey, this is what we're going through. What did we do? Like, and they were like, okay, come next. Can you come tomorrow? And um, Brandy broke out, Brandy who does Open Kids, broke out a bunch of godly play and started talking about what heaven looked like. And my daughter just, her soul was fed by that. And so Dina talked to me a lot about the Sunday school program for kids. And so I said, okay, 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 I hear you, okay. Um, and so I would drop them off at Sunday school and then I would walk down to West Oak Coffee and have an hour to myself and it was glorious and that it's was kind of my hour. version of heaven. Um, <laughs> And so that's what we did for, for a minute. And then I had a friend who said, hey, you know, I, th I think you would really dig open. Like, I think that's your, that's your message. That's your 100%. And I was like, mm, I have to give up my avocado toast and latte. <laughs> I'm just not sure. Um, and so we came. And the first time that we came was an MLK 
um, of 2018, MLK Day, and the message that I heard was just like, what? Okay, these, these might be my people. Um, and so we started coming regularly, and nobody is more surprised than I am, maybe my husband who works on Sundays, um, so he's never here with us, that I come every week and that I actually feel um, refreshed and like this is life-giving to me and and you guys are my people and I do feel God's love in this building every single week and it's something that carries you know every week like when I miss I don't I watch I watch it on video you guys like this is not (laughs) who I am as a person um but that there is something here that is really magical for us and and so I came here because my six-year-old wanted to know what heaven looked like that steadfast love for your daughter and, and your son Jack, who are there on our on the screen behind us, um, led you into this place. And so, what is it about this community that has helped your kids grow? I think that they feel they feel the abiding in love, and I see seeds that are planted. Um, first of all, you talk about Legos a lot, which makes you. Jack's person. Um, And so I know that he pays attention. He laughs. Um, There are, if you, if you ever sit in the row behind us, um, he's a preteen who would rather gnaw off his arm than show public affection to me, but he holds my hand every week and he puts his head on my shoulder. And um, my daughter, I don't even see her most of the time that we're here. She has her own little group of girlfriends um, that they run around a lot of times with your kids. But um, they, there are seeds that are planted here in them every week that we talk about every night when we're tucking them into bed. And we t- I see those seeds. I see the way they react um, in, on the playground. I see the way that they take situations. Um, my daughter had a sleepover with a friend, and she has, it's typically two girls that stay the night at this other child's house, and she has like a whole headgear apparatus. And one time it was only my daughter that stayed the night. And the mom said to me, Julia's going to wear her headgear because she knows that Sophie won't make fun of her. She had never done that before. Like, I would like to think that that would be something that she would do, but I know that that's because they come here every week and they hear about God's love for them and they hear about God's love for everybody else and they are called every week, these small seeds are planted to show that same love and kindness to other people. And I see it in really small things in them every day. That's awesome. What about for you, um, going from, from your hour at West Oak uh, to, to this? What, uh, what's the experience over the last year been like for you? So I told you this, and, and, and truly no offense to you or to Crystal, <laughs> who Crystal is my daughter's person. Like she sparkles and wears sequins and has the nails and is all things that Sophie wants to grow up to become. Um, you guys are great, and you are part of the reason that had us come in the beginning, the messages, the things that you were saying, but what keeps me here every week is is on the other side of this stage, and it's it's all of you guys and the, the community that we have built together, and I look around, and I not only agree with what you guys are saying up here 100%, which I have never in 41 years of my life ever felt that way, ever, um, but I see it in the people I sit with every week and the people that I, I talk with and share share this life with. Um, if you'll humor me, there are some Please. moms that um, 
So Paige, who's not here today because her campaign kicked off yesterday because she sees, woo, Paige, um, she sees things in the world that she has moved to change. From Paige, I have learned about her fearlessness and her strength and her just going out there and being the change. Um, Lisa and I had, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this up here, but we went to happy hour and we were just talking about our, our journey. You, you are. I am? Yeah. Okay. So we went to happy hour and um, we had kind of a very similar, like, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how I'm on this stage bearing witness. This is so strange to me. She has a similar story and she's just taught me, like, don't overthink it. Just just go with it. Just accept that this is where you are and that these are, you know, that you're among your tribe. And Emily, who my kids think is just pure magic, who I have learned the importance of adventure and what it means to bring fun and joy into your life and just swim with dolphins every day. Mm -hmm. um, and Amy, who has this mama bear ferocity, and she has not only that, but the endurance to do whatever is necessary to make her kid's life better. And Bridget, who is a staggering work of genius in and of herself, but pours into her kids every day um, in order to grow and, and to create additional avenues for their genius to blossom. And Allison, who um, sacrifices so much, not just for her own kids, mostly right now sleep, but also for a bunch of really vulnerable kids in our community every day at work. And um, Lindsay, who is my Enneagram One soul sister, um, and who I just strive to be like every day, you know, like the what would, I grew up in the, in the 90s, so like what would Jesus do, wristbands, like what would Lindsay do? Um, so I take strength, not just from Jonathan and from Crystal, but from, from you guys that, like we share some really, like you guys know my secrets, which is so weird, like it, just such a vulnerable space for us all to be that I'd never knew was missing from my life, and I never knew that it was so necessary and so soul-giving, but it is. That's awesome. So uh, you've listed off some of the folks that are in Open Moms with you and in the community with you, but what would you like to say to the community as a whole? Um, you've, got, you've got the mic, so. <laughs> so I think when you originally um, posed this question to me when we sat down to talk last week, it was, what do I see for us as a community? And I don't have an answer for that because a year and a half ago when I started coming here, I would have never seen where we are today. So I don't necessarily have um, a vision of where we should go. I can only say thank you because I get more from you guys each and every week than I ever thought possible. And I just wish that everybody, I mean, I just think about what this world could be if everybody had a space like this, where they come every week and they hear that you are enough and that God loves you and that, that your job in this world is to go out and, sh and be God's love and share God's love. And I just think that the world would be a much better place if everybody had an open in their life. Let's say thank you to Courtney. <clears throat> Courtney said, she asks, what would Lindsay do? Lindsay is my wife, and I also ask that question <laughs> every day, and it has never led me astray <laughs> at all. And, and so as Courtney said, um, the, the, the beauty of what God builds in community is from the stage forward, and, and also from the stage with the band and stuff, too. It, this, 
what we remember on this day, and we rem- when we remember how God is reflected in every person, is the beauty and the power of that. That we have a God who transcends those distinctions, but yet in some way fulfills who we are in our diversity as well. That we are called as a community to transcend and fulfill that call to know our belovedness and to go into the world and live that out. And to honor all of the ways that we see God reflected in our neighbors. When we honor the reflection of God in each other and in our diversity, no matter age, race, gender, orientation, or identity, or creed, that empowerment is like a seed, as Courtney said, that grows. And what it's growing us is all of us together into more and more of the image of God. We need all of us together because we need all of God in every reflection. And so today, as you honor, as Courtney did, the mothers that she, that she credits in her life, when you honor the mothers who've been a part of your life, the mother, grandmother, aunt, mentors, friends, and partners who, in your life, honor them because of who they are, for who they are, and honor them for the ways that they've reflected who God is to you. And they've helped you know the God who loves you with steadfast, loving kindness, unending, unconditional, motherly love. And as we go in our world, let's commit anew to be a community that works together to transcend and fulfill and to cultivate and to tell the story of a God who is bigger, a God who is near, a God who is with us all in so many reflections, the stories of the beautiful image of God in which we were all created. Let's pray together. Gracious, loving God, thank you for the way that we have experienced you in our mothers and grandmothers and aunts, mentors, friends, partners, God, all of the ways that we've seen in the amalgam of humanity and the diversity of the ways that you built us, a reflection of you. God, thank you for your love for us and help us to be people of that love in our world. God, you love us and you love our neighbor and you call us to do the same. Help us, God, to honor you in all of the places and the people that we see your reflection. We pray this in your name.